This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Hey, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and we are so excited that you are here with us today. Uh, We want to take a moment and say welcome, especially if you are new. We know it's not an easy thing to uh, come into a new place and kind of navigate yourself around. So we want to say thank you for being brave uh, and being here with us this morning. And whether you are new or you've been around for some time, um, in the seat back in front of you is a Connect card. And we want you to grab one of those if you would. Uh, On the Connect card, there's lots of information you can put in there. You can also put... um, a uh, decisions that you've made, prayer requests that you might have, other pieces of information you might want the church uh, to have. So uh, we want to encourage everyone to take just a moment and do that at some point in our service, especially if you're new. If you put your address information, we would love to send you just a small thank you in the mail this week. Uh, With that all shared, let me just pray for us and we'll jump in. Dear God, thank you so much for just a moment and a time of worship. Thank you, God, to uh, power through technical difficulties. And God, we know uh, that your presence is here, that you are with us. And we just ask that in this time ahead that we uh, have open minds and open hearts to what you want to teach us today. I believe, God, that you are here and present and working, and we just want to join you in that. In your name we pray, amen. All right, well, you have found us on the very first week of a brand new series entitled Belief. And for this series, what we're doing is we're going back, like way back, 1,500 years Back And we're going to look at a statement called the Apostles' Creed. And it's been memorized and recited by generation after generation after generation uh, to kind of learn the basics of belief. Not simple, not easy, but foundational. You know, uh, as I kind of was thinking about this idea and this creed that's been around for so long, I was thinking about some of the uh, beautiful churches that I've gotten to walk into, some of the most beautiful churches in the world. And whenever I go into one of those buildings, the architecture and just the beauty always catches you and it's wonderful and beautiful. But then I always have this thought, I, I sit down and I find a seat and I think about All the people who came into this place and prayed. I mean, in so many of them, before electricity, during wars, uh, so many people came into this place and prayed for family, for friends, for God just to work. I'm always caught off guard just by the history of that. I feel the same way about the apostles' creed. It amazes me. It amazes me just to think about the number of people, the number of people who learned the fundamentals of the faith from these words. 
But I want to make sure that we understand something. It's not just some dusty old uh, phrase that doesn't really have anything to teach us anymore. It has plenty to teach us in our world today. We're going to jump into that in just a moment. But before we do, let me give you just a little bit of the history of where uh, the Apostles' Creed comes from. The word creed, it means a statement of belief. More than just simply uh, some words that I agree with. When people said the Apostles' Creed, what they were saying was, I have confidence in these words. I have confidence in God. I trust, I put the trust of my life in Him. They were making a commitment to live these words out. We know from the book of Acts that after Jesus, that after his ascension into heaven, uh, we have Pentecost, we have the apostle Paul, other apostles traveling around, starting churches. The, the, the church just explodes in numerical growth. We have all of these people kind of uh, coming to the faith. And they don't just stay in one place, they're spread out, their they're Christians are oftentimes persecuted, and so they, they move, and Christianity spreads further and further. And eventually, as Paul and some of these other early leaders, as they are gone, these churches, they're still there, they're still growing, and they have this need. They have this need for, for some uh, kind of summarization of what they believe. They have this need to teach new people uh, what kind of the basics of faith are. They have this need to kind of judge when a teacher comes whether what they're saying is right and true. So that's where this creed comes from, the Apostles' Creed. Not something the apostles themselves wrote, but it's a summary of the apostles' teaching. It's birthed in this period right before kind of the canonization of Scripture, the formalization of the Bible in 367. So that's some of the history of kind of where the Apostles' Creed comes from. Uh, But before we jump further into what we're going to talk about today, let me give you just kind of the three whys we're taking four weeks to talk about the Apostles' Creed today. The first just this idea that it's a, it's a summary of the fundamentals of the faith. The building blocks. We never outgrow the fundamentals. We never grow beyond them. We don't mature beyond them. They always have something to teach us. Kind of one of my favorite stories from this kind of fundamentals category is uh, the story of Vince Lombardi, the famous Green Bay Packers coach. And every year he would start the football season off in the same way. He would say, guys, come in, come in, closer. And he would stand and he'd say, this is a football. And then he would talk about the basics of how to tackle someone, the basics of formation, the basics of kind of their general offensive schemes. Because he never believed you moved beyond the fundamentals. Think about that for a moment. You're a professional athlete. You've been playing football since, what, you were eight? You might have college championships, Super Bowl rings. It didn't matter to him. Everyone started with the basics, the fundamentals. Every 
season. I think we can kind of take the same uh, idea to our faith. Take the same idea to this Apostles' Creed. We have so much to learn from the fundamentals. Second, uh, as has already been said, just the historical context is significant. To think that for 1,500 years, people have been learning these words, memorizing them, repeating them. The The creed is kind of this connection to faithful peers who went before. Maybe you have a favorite author, a favorite Christian author. Maybe you have a a relative who was faithful, but they're gone now. You can't call them up on the phone. The creed is kind of this, this one piece of connection with them. Even if they didn't recite the words word for word there, faith was informed. Informed by the Apostles' Creed. Lastly, just a word about what the Apostles' Creed is not. It's not magic. It it doesn't have any power in and of itself. It won't bring you luck. It won't land you a job. It won't get you the guy or the girl maybe that you've had your eye on. The Apostles' Creed, its power comes from the way it reflects Scripture. So when we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, that's what we're talking about. We're going to talk about the Scripture that comes out of it. All right, so with all of that said this morning, I thought we should do what so many have done before, and that's repeat the Apostles' Creed, and we're going to have it up here on the screen together. So with me here, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, so today what I want to focus in on is the very beginning, the very start of that phrase. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. In its original context, in the first century Near East, to say I believe in God wasn't to say much Uh, Lots of people believed in God. In fact, they believed in many gods. There were harvest gods and fertility gods and fishing gods, all kinds of gods. But to say that you believed in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth, meant that you believed in one all-powerful and yet personal God. And at the same time, then, you were kind of rejecting the current cultural system the current cultural system of that day. And today, the creed has the same effect. 
When we declare that we believe in one all-powerful, deeply personal God, one of the things we're doing is we're saying that we don't agree with the larger narrative of society that says it's all about me. From the very uh, first pages of the scripture, from the very beginning of the creed, one thing is clear. God is the main character. God is the main character. He's the main character in creation. He's the main character in history. He's the main character in scripture. He's the main character in our own lives. In our self-focused egotistical, whatever makes you happy world in our society that thinks that's how we should think, that is a major rejection of the current cultural narrative. In other words, it's not about me, it's about him. J.I. Packer said that there is nothing more irreligious than self-absorbed religion. In other words, Nothing more hostile to God. Nothing more hostile to God than making one's life, even faith in God, sometimes making it all about us, making it all about our happiness. And yet that's what the world so often tells us we should do. So one of the first problems... One of the first problems the creed attacks is this cultural narrative that it's about me. It says, no, it's about God. And the way this gets attacked is by affirming, affirming the incredible, limitless power of God and his deeply personal nature. So what we want to see in uh, the scripture revealed today is that God is both infinitely powerful and deeply personal. And if we can get our minds wrapped around those two aspects of who God is, then we can join with generations before us and understand that life is about something far greater than me. Let's begin with the infinitely powerful God. Uh, Have you ever heard the phrase, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, or we should have a, a healthy fear of God? Maybe you, like me, those words, they never quite sounded right, and they didn't kind of seem to fit sometimes. We spend so much time talking about Jesus as friend, Jesus as, as God, as the one who loves us so much. He sends his son to die and forgive us. And all of those things are true. But when we only focus on the kind of this one aspect of God, we, sometimes we make God into this cosmic teddy bear that only wants to give us hugs. But God's power is so immeasurable. So much more than we can imagine. It should produce in us awe and yes, even fear. My kids and I have been reading uh, C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's an allegory of kind of scripture in the Bible. My favorite part in uh, the book 
is when uh, Mr. Otter is trying to explain to the children Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure. And he's kind of going through some things, and the children, they have lots of questions. And finally, kind of exasperated, Mr. Otter responds, well, he isn't a tame lion. That's the idea. That's the idea of God's just immense power, so beyond our ability to predict. We can't assume to have him figured out. We can't um, help but simply be in awe and sometimes even fear of who he is and the power he has. Many places point to God's power and strength in Scripture. The one I want to focus in on today is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. If you've got a Bible with you today, uh, you can follow along. If you've got a smart device uh, with uh, the YouVersion Bible app or some other Bible app on there, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Some beautiful words. Some beautiful words about God's power. It starts in verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? That he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. And he spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them. And they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes, look To the heavens, who created these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power, because of his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
me just repeat a couple of those lines of God's immense power. Do you not know? Have you not heard it starts? He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He brings princes and rulers to nothing in an instant. To whom can you compare his power? Look around you. Look at the skies and the seas and the stars and the trees. Who created all of this? I love verse 26. It says, look up. Look, look up. Lift up your eyes. In essence, stop what you're doing. Look around you. Realize that something greater is happening. Something greater is at work. Isn't that the problem we oftentimes have? We get so focused, so heads down, working on our list, on our items, that we kind of push God right out of the middle, out of the center of our lives. We miss the bigger things happening. That's why we're told in verse 26, look up. See that something bigger is going on in your world. The creed, it starts with these words. It starts with these words because from the very earliest days, it was understood that if we are going to have the proper theological understanding of who God is, we have to, uh, we must never forget who he is and specifically how powerful But thankfully, the depictions of God don't stop there. We're not left with simply an all-powerful God that we can only fear. In the creed and in the scripture, we also learn to see God as deeply personal. Deeply personal. And the way this gets expressed so often is with this image is God as Father. Let's switch for a moment to this deeply personal nature of God. God does something special in the heart of a parent. He puts just a small percentage of the love and the care he feels for all of us in the heart of every parent. And that small percentage of his love and his care that he plants in the heart of a parent Gets us through the endless poopy diapers, the temper tantrums, the rebellious teenage years, and yet still leaves, despite all of that, most parents looking back kind of on the other side of parenting saying, that is the greatest thing I did with my life. And so when we refer to God as Father, like Jesus teaches us to do when he teaches us to pray, That's the seed that should get planted in our hearts and in our minds. All of that love and all those parenting feelings times a hundred. Let's put God in the proper framework. 
to truly understand all we need to know about him. We must begin with the right picture in our minds. And the right picture of who God is, is that he is both infinitely powerful and deeply personal. He does them both at the same time. He doesn't flip-flop back and forth. He is both of them to us all. As we come to an end of our time today, my guess is that you, like me, like so many, we kind of tend towards one picture of God more than another. And so there are some here today who see God solely or at least mostly as all-powerful. And so you get the fear of God thing. You got that figured out. That makes sense to you. But sometimes that leaves you with an angry God. Just waiting for you to mess up. And so your mode of operating with God is pretty much summed up with this picture of just tiptoeing around, trying not to upset him, trying not to rock the boat too much. If that's you today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to to spend some time in prayer this week imagining God as a loving Imagining God as a loving parent, someone who wants what's best for you. And even more than that, someone who actually knows what's best for you. I mean, me and my six-year-old, I know what's best. Even though that's hard for her to understand sometimes, it's hard for her to get her mind wrapped around why I might say no or not yet. I know what's best. I want what's best. God is like that times a hundred times a million. Or perhaps you have the opposite challenge. Perhaps for you today, you so focus on God's deeply personal nature. Did you kind of skip by these parts in Scripture where God's power is on full display? When someone uh, meets an angel or meets God and the first response is fear, you think, well, that's strange. It's because they're seeing God's full power. This week, perhaps you need to go back to Isaiah chapter 40. Answer some of those questions that get asked there. Spend some time looking at those verses. Be in awe of our God. Or maybe this would be helpful this week. Maybe you could just spend a few moments imagining the most awe-inspiring place you've been. Maybe for you that's the Grand Canyon. Maybe for you it's standing on a seashore and all you can do is hear the waves crash against the shore and see the sea as far as your eye can see. Maybe it's Uh, the Smoky Mountains, some other beautiful place. I don't know where it is for you, but some place where you got out of the car and all of a sudden it became really clear to you there is something bigger going on in the world than just me. Imagine that place. Now imagine God creating it with just his pinky. 
no effort, no struggle, for something that absolutely boggles your mind. Takes no effort at all for God to make it happen. That's God's immense power at work. Whichever attribute of God you need to work on learning more about, getting more in touch with this week. Pray, do some of those things to focus on it, but also pray that you thank God for it. That you thank God for his mighty, mighty power. That you thank God for his deeply personal nature that loves and cares for you so much. And if we can do that, if we can get our mind wrapped around kind of both of those things and how God is both of those things at the same time, then we can join with so many before us, so many before us who declared, we believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray together. Dear God, you give us this just incredible scriptures that clearly point out your power at work in the world. And my prayer is that for all of us here that we can just take a moment and just be in awe of you. We can just be in awe of your power and your strength your creation. How you created it, not out of um, kind of some parts that were floating around. You build it like we would build something, but you created it out of nothing. God, that makes this next part even more powerful. That you deeply and personally love us that you teach us that we're adopted into your family, one of your sons, one of your daughters, and you tell us when we pray to you that we should call you Father. God, help us just to feel that as the warm embrace of your love. Help us just to be amazed at that. That the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who is uh, the Savior and the hope of our world, is also our Father. Make that clear in our hearts and our minds. Because we know, God, if we are to truly understand any of the rest of the story, any of the rest of what you want to do in our lives, which you have done in Scripture and in history, we have to have those pictures clear. Help us to do that this week. In your wonderful and powerful name we pray. Amen.